Welcome to the Steve Has a Chat podcast, where I call someone out of the blue with the record button on and hope to have an unscripted conversation about Microsoft business applications. Let's see how it goes. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Microsoft. How can I direct your call? Charles Lamana, please. Will he know what this is regarding? Nope. Please hold while I transfer your call. Hello, this is Charles. Hey, Charles. Steve Mordew, how are you doing? Good, good. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Listen, I want to know if you'd want to be on my podcast that I've got where I'm kind of talking about uh, you know, Microsoft Business Solutions. Sure. Anytime. How about right now? I already hit the record button. <laughs> so, sounds good enough. Let's get started. All right. Have you got some time? Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you popped up seemingly out of nowhere for a lot of us in the, on the dynamic side about a year ago. I know you've been with Microsoft for longer than that. And I think you'd been at Microsoft a long time ago, left and did something else and came back. But for a lot of the folks that I know, uh, they're like, who's this Charles guy? Can you maybe give us a little background on how you got where you're at and, uh, you know, what you did before? Sure. It's, it's always easy to talk about yourself. Yeah. So uh, I actually joined Microsoft out of college. Uh, I worked in the Exchange Online Group when they were doing that, the big migration to Office 365 to really convert that into a cloud product. Um, and kind of after doing that for about three years, I left and did my own company. Uh, it's a company called Metrics Hub. I was based here in Seattle, actually in, in Eastlake in, in Seattle. Uh, and it was focused on public cloud cost management and health monitoring. Uh, and the whole idea was with this big shift from colos and data centers to move to the cloud, that what it means to actually monitor and track your, the health of your service or your app would fundamentally change. Um, so we did that right in the beginning Azure was just launching VMs, Google didn't even have VMs, GCP didn't even exist. So really AWS and Azure were the only two games in town. Uh, so we went and we launched that, uh, had some really great traction in the market at that big inflection point uh, and got snapped up by Microsoft about five years ago. Um, so after that, I worked in Azure for four years or so. And then uh, about a year ago, I, I took the plunge and switched over to BizApps to work on the power platform like Power Apps as well as Dynamics. Uh, and, and that was largely because I felt like biz apps were just like the way public cloud was five or six years ago, a really big inflection point and a big time of change. So I wanted to go be part of that again. So that's kind of my journey. Yeah, kind of moving to the, my moving to the front end, I guess all those years in Azure, you know, you're kind of working on the plumbing yep. and now moving over to biz apps, you're working on the, you know, the front of the house, the stuff that, uh, you know, customers, you know, normal customers, not just it people engage with and deal with every day. Yep, that's exactly right. Like what I joke is it's the first time I've worked on something that my parents use. <laughs> <laughs> so your parents use Dynamics, huh? <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> but they could use. They definitely weren't going to be using Azure, that's for sure. But uh, but yeah. So I was doing a little bit of digging, uh, you know, when I was thinking about trying to call you. And it, it looks like you got your name attached to a lot of patents also. Uh, you, you've been involved in quite a few patents. Was that from your early days or, or some? Some of them seem pretty recent. Yeah. So I'll, to be honest, a lot of it was in my earlier days where I actually uh, I did work. I wrote code, <laughs> did did architecture, things like that. 
Um, so a lot of those were in the Azure days. And since it takes so long to work through the process, I think still there are ones being issued that we submitted with Microsoft like three or four years ago. Um, but a lot of the focus is around distributed systems, some of the cloud stuff we did around like predictive scaling and predictive cost management. So a lot in those different spaces. Um, but all I know is like, Microsoft gives you a little marble cube for every patent you get. I got a nice mound in my office. I'm looking at it right oh, now. Oh, nice. But, but uh, that's the proudest part of it for me. But, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I know a lot of coders, but I don't know many of them that have patents. So that's a whole <laughs> other level of, uh, of coding. Yeah. You know, uh, this, uh, this is pretty good timing. We just came off Ignite, and we're just going to be going to uh, Summit here next week. And are you going to be out at Summit? Uh, no, I'm not. Unfortunately, I got uh, two other travel or trips I have to do that same week, so I won't be able to make it. Well, I know that uh, you know there were several things talked about at Ignite, and then of course everybody left, and now they've been you know had a week or so to chew on those things. I'm sure they'll be popping up again. And I think one of the interesting things that that was announced, which I'm curious, what's your take on the the approaches is this ODI stuff, and and, and what the thinking is there, and, and where you see that going. Oh, ODI is near and dear to my heart. So for people who don't know, it's the Open Data Initiative. And I, I got the pleasure to work on that leading up to Ignite um, across Adobe, SAP, and Microsoft. And the whole focus is really customers today, they own, they have all this data in apps. And they have they use Adobe, they say use their experience cloud or marketing cloud, they use, use SAP for ERP or data analytics or whatever, use Microsoft with Dynamics and Office. They have all these uh, all this data all over the place, but it's all islands. Uh, so basically, there's no easy way to go bring information together from marketing and Adobe, from customer engagement in uh, Dynamics to whatever you actually have running on SAP. Uh, and this this kind of is a hugely expensive problem, big cumbersome problem, and it becomes very pronounced these days because if you go to the future of AI and machine learning. You need to bring your data together and stitch it together across your entire data estate in your enterprise. Otherwise, you can't do any of the interesting transformative things. So what ODI is all about is making it easy for our joint customers across SAP, Adobe, and Microsoft to bring their data together. Uh, and we're going out and we're actually soliciting other ISVs and other application companies to go join ODI as well. All of the idea about returning control of the data to the customer and bringing it together in one place for the customer with one schema and one model um, to enable all kinds of really interesting scenarios. And, and I, I think it's it's very, it's early days, honestly, it's very early days, but it's gonna be one of the big, I think, big forces over the next few years in terms of how people think so about So something to really apps. keep our eye on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you you guys are really going through that trans transformation just with your own products, getting them all onto a common, you know, uh, data service and still have, you know, some, some products to get over there in your own house. And already now we're reaching out to outside people. This is, uh, this is kind of the new Microsoft, you know, we're not finished with this thing, but we're going to go ahead and start another thing. And we'll, <laughs> yeah. I, I was talking, I've talked to partners many times who, who say, you know, when are they going to finish all this stuff? And I say, you know what, I don't, I don't think that's a, a concept anymore. Uh, completion <laughs> is, 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 is a thing of the past, you know, yeah. not in this world. Yeah. And I, I, and I say we're, we're always going to be tuning and improving elements of the product and kind of adding the next wave of capabilities. Um, and that, that's the benefit of something like a service is because we can listen to all the telemetry. We can watch how customers are using the product, know what's working and what's not. 
we can continuously be improving it. So I think that's a huge value of the cloud. But I would say we are very much committed on making sure that we don't ship half-baked things at least. And um, like we talk about like MVP as a minimum viable product, um, but we also talk about the MRP, minimal reasonable product, like what people actually could use or provide value or bet their business on. Um, so I think that that's a delicate balance that we work through, but uh, in terms of always shipping new innovations, but we do have to make sure that they, they connect and work well together. Um, and, and I think both of those things are big focuses for us. So uh, ODI, this is, is this a standard you guys are uh, kind of uh, championing on CDS as, as the, 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 the core component of this, or is there going to be yet another, you know, public, uh, data service that is the standard or are we we hoping to try and get other people to standardize on what we're doing over here so i'd say for odi the the destination of the data is azure data lake uh yeah. and uh cds for example we'll we'll have we already have uh, basic support we're gonna have even more advanced support we'll support native exporting to azure data lake uh, and we chose azure data lake as a technology to bet on for odi largely because it's very much about observational data um, and broad scale, huge scale, petabyte per day data. Uh, and Data Lake is the best technology really out there to go enable that uh, across all of Microsoft's products. So, so we're rallying around pouring all the data from Open Data Initiative into the Azure Data Lake um, with that, well, that easy to discover way to figure out the schema and the entities and the business objects that are there. Um, and, and CDS is a complement to it because I think the interesting thing we're going to go do is we're going to find ways to drive the intelligence that you generate in that data lake back into CDS. So if you say do predictive lead scoring or uh, entity classification, things like that, that can all feed back into CDS very natively and without having to write any code. So, so we're, there's gonna be really tight coordination and collaboration, but the, the data sync is gonna be Azure Data Lake. You know, I mean, it does seem for the AI uh, dream to become a reality, you know, and people see, you know, great AI demos with a bunch of, you know, awesome information and, and, and actionable insights coming back, but it's only as good as the data set that it's running on. And, you know, if your data set is limited to a particular silo, you know, you're, you're just not getting a, a very good picture, maybe some kind of a picture, but um, bringing in, you know, more pieces of data into that, into that pile that's being crunched has, has got to get us closer to that. So it seems like, it seems like those two things have to happen for the third thing to work. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly the, the key data point to, to the whole future of, of AI and intelligence is you gotta bring your data together and let the machine figure out what data matters. That's kind of the, the overarching idea. Well, I'm not surprised that Adobe coming in, you know, pretty quick. Obviously, uh, you know, you guys don't really compete head to head with Adobe. I, I think there's a little more of a competitive space with SAP, um, but I know there's been some partnerships formed there. Yep. Would you expect to see, I mean, I, I guess you start with a couple of big names like that and make sure you get everything sorted out and, and, and working well and everybody happy. And then you've really got something to go out and, and bring to other, you know, large providers of, of stuff. And when you think about, you know, uh, something like Azure Data Lakes as a, as a, a framework for this, there's, there's really not many options. There's not many alternatives to something like that. If anybody wants to go this route, uh, yep. you know, really to get into that. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, so you've I, cornered another market. <laughs> I say it's all in a, a, a corner. I take offense a little bit, but I'd say it's it is all about being open because 
Yeah, SAP and Adobe are the launch partners we're talking about, but we want as many other ISVs and apps to support the Open Down initiative as possible. Um, and I hope someday there'll be a website with thousands of logos on it talking about all the people that write to ODI. And uh, yeah, Data Lake is just that place for us to go dump the information very easily and cleanly uh, can support that scale. There's only, there's only three hyperscale cloud players in the game. Um, and each of them only has one offering that has this capability. So there's not many places to put data at this scale. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. And obviously we're a little bit biased towards Azure. So <laughs> yeah, I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've talked to you many times in the past and it seems like every time I talk to you, there's something new that is on your plate. Uh, but nothing ever seems to leave your plate. Um, your, your day must be just insane from running from, you know, o, ODI, you know, spending some time on that. And then you got to jump back to CDS. You got to jump back to uh, Power Apps. You got to jump back to, uh, I mean, you're, you're juggling a lot of, a lot of things. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, know. There's, there's definitely a lot going on. And I think one of the, the things that I get excited about is um, kind of we're, we're going through this interesting kind of platform convergence at Microsoft where, you know, you have Dynamics on the side, you got Power Apps on the side, you got CDS on the side. And kind of we started this with a CDS 2 launch earlier this year. I'm going to continue it over the next 12 months where eventually it will be just one thing. So it, it won't be as much jumping between different products and capabilities. There's just going to be one platform, one programming model, one extensibility model um, across all of Dynamics plus the standalone apps you create with Power Apps, plus what we do and enable for Office 365 as well. Um, so kind of those pieces coming together, I think the, the technical convergence and architectural convergence is good for customers and it's good for me. <laughs> Maybe I can eat dinner at home soon, so, you know. Yeah, that would be nice because, yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've, I've got you on, uh, you know, my Skype and I can see you frequently are busy at uh, very late hours. So, so <laughs> yeah. you're, you're burning the midnight oil. Yeah. So, so what is your, what is your role inside of the, the, the dynamics org? Cause I know you, you said you came over from the Azure and, and now you've joined uh, James Phillips team. And yeah. I think coming from the Azure side, you probably, you know, have some relationships like with Guthrie and some of the other folks also. Um, but it definitely seems like uh, you know, you've been tapped as a guy to really take this thing forward. Yeah, I think uh, so in terms of like core areas I, I look after is the, the core platform for the customer engagement dynamics app. So for people who know it before and probably people that would listen to this, it's, it's XRM. So it's the XRM yep. component um, plus power apps, plus flow, plus the common data service. And I say there's really kind of two big elements to, to what kind of I say my job is, like my mission, uh, like my three-year mission is. And the first is to really go modernize and extend what we enable for the Dynamics apps. And that's kind of responding to and supporting this incredible growth the online service has in a way that maintains our quality and our performance and the reliability that our customers expect from a biz app platform. Um, so that's kind of like the first thing. And the second one is really go do this transformative power platform element. And I think this is a really exciting thing because we're at our kind of internal mission is we want to go enable the next 10 million developers. So if you imagine today, there's a, something like 15 million developers in the whole world across all programming languages. It's a specialized skill. It's hard to get into. There's a huge shortage of developers basically anywhere you look. With Power Apps and with the Power Platform, including the capabilities we brought forward with XRM, 
we have this ability to go reach 10 million people who never would have been developers otherwise. We can go reach them and actually enable them to go build apps and workflows and dashboards and reports, um, really reimagine their own careers and as a side effect actually transform the companies they work for. And that, those combos, that's a fantastic combo because you're actually going and feeding all these apps which are doing all kinds of great things in the industry and a huge growing business and you're laying down the groundwork for this really this brand new platform that's going to change how people build apps in the future in a big way. Um, and, and both of those are just on fire right now, which is part of the reason that you know, whenever burn the midnight oil to, to go enable, but, uh, but just two really exciting pieces of tech and that fits nicely into the overarching Microsoft value and vision uh, integrated with Azure and Office and things like that too. Well, we're, we're, I mean, we're definitely seeing that take hold already. I mean, it's starting with um, not the pure citizen, uh, but definitely with the tech savvy uh, person at the customer end who maybe wasn't a business applications guy, but but he's he's tech savvy. He's comfortable with technology, and we, we've seen that guy. I wrote a post about him recently. I yeah. called him Bob. Uh, really do some pretty amazing stuff uh, without really knowing dynamics. Now, so to be fair, you know, he's he's got some technology background, and we still got we still got a few wires left to connect up before a pure, you know, just uh, you know, marketing person, for example, could go go build something interesting. But I, I see that coming. And when you think about when you think about Microsoft's goal to become a platform company. And you look at the hills that stand between you and that goal. Obviously, development costs are a big hill. They keep a lot of people on the sidelines, keep them using Outlook and spreadsheets, keep them using other simple solutions uh, because there's, you know, there's a cost to to developing. And where you guys are able to lower that cost, uh, that's just going to you know go straight to the bottom line, I would think. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And I think. It not only it not only reduces costs, but it also allows companies and, and employees to build apps that they never thought they could build before, uh, and that's kind of like that last mile of apps that today just goes unmet. Like you said, email, spreadsheets, pen, paper—it's all over the place. Um, but when it's easy to, enough to create apps, you can empower business users to go do that. You actually don't have to wait. You don't have to live in a world where that last mile is not digitized. So. Uh, I think I think the way you described it is exactly right. You want you want a platform for developers everywhere. To get there, we have to enable a whole lot more developers. Well, and I think that, and I know you know, I talked to a lot of developers in the MVP community, and there's there's some consternation about um, citizen developer. Uh, you know, there's some concern about you know citizen developers going to step into my turf. But I think as we're seeing it now, kind of move forward. Uh, sure, there's some things that citizen developer might previously have paid us to do but they didn't need to and it wasn't even you know challenging work it wasn't important work it wasn't valuable work it was kind of simple work and i'm, I'm kind of happy to get some of that stuff off of our plate so that we can really focus on you know more important and deeper things that are you know hopefully going to stay beyond citizen developer yeah. for a little while i mean we know that 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 fence is kind of moving right behind us but uh as, i think there's still opportunity to stay ahead of that for a while yeah, no, I, I think uh, like as a developer, that's what gets me excited. You don't you don't have to spend dev cycles building like forms or simple like UI layout logic. You can leave leave that and empower citizen developers to do that. You can focus on the cool stuff, you know, AI, ML, distributed systems, IoT. 
Um, the things that explaining you licensing models. <laughs> yes, <laughs> too soon, man. Too soon. No, but yeah, yeah. I think you needed a few developers to do that. But uh, yeah, no, ex exactly right. There's all kinds of other challenging things that we we won't bring to everybody, but we'll actually increase the leverage of those building blocks that developers go create as well, because they're actually able to go create this amazing dev piece of technology and expose it to the citizen developers to reuse in their own solutions and applications and things like that too. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to let you get away with saying too soon without digging a little deeper <laughs> on licensing because, you know, that for, uh, you know, for a lot of partners and customers alike, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty confusing uh, uh, space, uh, the whole licensing model. When you jump into business applications, you know, maybe some customers thinking, oh, how much does this cost? And then you got to have this, well, that depends. And, and it's this lengthy conversation with lots of different variables, lots of options, uh, different restrictions. There's an awful lot of stuff to to explain. And what what is the thinking inside about, or is there? Because so far it seems, I mean, I remember when they launched Dynamics 365, when they first launched it, I was at one of the PAC meetings and a uh, gal who's no longer there uh, stood up for the group and said, good news, the licensing model got a lot simpler and then proceeded to show us the most complicated licensing model we'd ever seen to date. And it continues to kind of evolve, getting getting more complex and more nuanced. You know, some of the things around, around team member and different restrictions. And it, it, it's really getting challenging for even a partner who studies this stuff to, to, to make, make sense of it all, much less a customer. And, I got to think there's somebody there saying at some point in the future, once we've got a few of these things buttoned up, we're just going to simplify the heck out of that thing. Yeah. So I'd say we definitely want to go simplify. And I think what's interesting is, I mean, I, from an intent perspective, I think we can in one slide explain what we intend each license to be used for. Um, but the problem we have is how do we actually go like legislate or, legally protect some of that intent and, and unfortunately we're ending up being very very leaky as we go through that process because the example i'd give is like team member i mean it's pretty clear what we want people to use team member for this is for light use for specific scenarios under the broader app umbrella that's what we want it to be used for like you want to go do a, a employee self-service thing in fno you can go use team member um, you want to go re record uh, something, I don't know, like a, a simple lead, you can go do that from team member, but you maybe can't, you can't do the full sales pipeline. Like that's what we want it to be used for. Um, and in an effort to kind of go, like make sure that's what it's used for, we actually made it a lot more complicated. Um, you know, only 15 entities customization, only these actions, only these app modules. So I think we are definitely going back and thinking about the first principles that are driving all these different licenses and what we're trying to achieve and seeing how we could make it simpler so that you could not only explain the intent, but also its enforcement in just a few sentences or a slide. Uh, and that's definitely something we're working through, but we, we created a giant mess or we're cleaning up a little bit of a mess because we had a bunch of licenses out there that we know weren't being used in terms of how we intended them to be used. And I think instead of trying to, to clean that up, we've actually gone and added a whole bunch more restrictions, which cause some, cause even some, some more confusion. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a segment of the population out there that wants to be in compliance and will go out of their way to make sure they are. And then there's a segment who actually doesn't care. And they're like, Oh, looky what I can do with this. Uh, it isn't concerned that they really shouldn't be. 
And I know, you know, we're obviously investing dollars in building new capabilities and new product. And it's hard to justify, well, let's go back and spend a bunch of dollars on creating the technical locks where a team member actually can't do anymore. We'll just solve that with paper for now. Uh, And we'll circle back to it later. I think that's probably where we've found ourselves getting caught is, is kind of, you know, uh, wallpapering for licensing over some of these things. And then, you know, you've got that customer out there who's intentionally, you know, uh, violating the license. And then you have a, uh, probably an even larger bunch that are in, are not in compliance, but have no idea. Yeah. You know, never even saw the document, have no idea. All they know is they're able to do something. So they wouldn't assume they couldn't, you know? Makes sense. I mean, I'll say two things to that. The first is I kind of have a, a statement that I talk about with my team, which is if it's not in the product, if I got to go somewhere else to read it, whether it's help docs, tutorials, or, or license enforcement, it might as well not exist for most users. Um, no. and, and to the second point is, so we have to go bring enforcement to the product. So that is actually a major area of investment for the team right now. And part of the problem is we have to kind of go retrofit the stack that wasn't super license aware to go make it, I'd say, in a scalable way, expose licensing information to apps that are built on top of the platform. And that's work we're doing now. And over the next nine months or so, it's like nine to 10 months, we'll actually enable enforcement for things like team member and for things like talent and things for like the Power Apps P2, so that we can almost say, hey, here's our intent. And if you can do it with that license, it's allowed. (laughs) That's an easier way to go about enabling it. Um, people can go quickly test out what works, what doesn't work. Um, and if they understand our intent, they'll understand why those blocks exist. So that's, that's, that is where we definitely want to go end up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you hate to have to spend that money, uh, because you really would love to, I mean, that's going to be a big undertaking. It's going to take a lot of man hours. It's going to cost a lot of money to go basically put in locks. So people, you know, will stay in compliance with, with licenses and, and you'd like it if everybody just would, and then you could invest all those dollars in the front. But it doesn't sound like you guys are short on dollars to invest or manpower. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like, I think, you know, since since Satya took over some time ago, and clearly he, he, he was a he was a BizApps guy in the past. So he had a recognition, I think, of what business apps could mean to Dynamics at a level that none of his uh, well, neither of his predecessors did. And then, you know, then bringing in Phillips, who, you know, is, is just an absolute gangbuster uh, about business applications and probably the best salesman we've ever seen. And then, you know, bringing you into the team, uh, it clearly there's a huge commitment here towards making business applications, you know, that third leg of the stool, which we've, we've heard it referred to as third leg of the stool for years, just... You know, it's always been you know, the dynamics is down in a barn on either side of town, <laughs> but but it definitely feels in the past year or two, and I'd say really since since Phillips took over is when I've I've I've, I've got a real sense of of that change. Yeah, I'd say we're still in the barn. I don't know if you people who know the Microsoft campus, we're still on like a little bit of a satellite campus as we do this big construction effort to build the the new campus. But uh, yeah, the the investment is is unbelievable. I mean. We've scaled up the engineering team from 1,300 to 5,000 full-time employees. So just a huge amount of investment, Um, tons of support with marketing dollars. Uh, I mean, there's like Dynamics commercials and stuff like that. There's Dynamics digital advertising and 
all kinds of field awareness and, and we've gone and matured and grown all these GSIs to be big dynamics practices as well. So really it's reached that next stage of investment from Microsoft and it's exactly for the reason you said, it's to go build out that third stool to really go enable customers to transform how they do business. I mean, you got raw infrastructure, raw PaaS capabilities in Azure. You got the world's best and most well-known productivity platform with Office. You need to have that business application and the surrounding power platform capabilities to go make it complete. Between those three things, just about anything is possible. So um, that's definitely where Microsoft is lining up strategically. And Microsoft is definitely putting their money where their mouth is. Um, so it's, it's a really exciting time right now. You know, I think another shift that I've noticed is th there was really an almost myopic focus on Salesforce uh, for a long time. You know, Salesforce, the 800-pound gorilla in business applications, way ahead of you guys uh, a while back, and a, a desperate effort to try and kind of catch up. But it also, and, I, and obviously everybody on the team is still cognizant of what they're doing and paying attention to what they're doing, but it now it sounds more like, um, yeah, that's something to look at, but that's not our main focus. Our main focus is let's build something with what we have that could be as good as it could be. And, you know, uh, Salesforce is Salesforce. It, it really feels like there's a, I won't say a de-emphasis on Salesforce, but maybe a, a higher emphasis on instead of following what they're doing, let's let's build stuff that no one can do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, too, is reflecting market reality, like, going and having just uh, a CRM centric view is really insufficient to do the transformative things that are happening in the industry. Like we work with tons of customers that go from IOT devices or actual like product telemetry to go and form things like field service to have techs go out and inspect. And then also empowering those field, same field service techs to go sell to customers. Like that's a transformational journey we're doing with a bunch of our customers today with Dynamics. And that's a very expanded view. Right. Like just focusing on the category leader of, of, the, of the CRM category leader isn't a path to actually go help our customers do new and interesting things. And it's also not something that Microsoft is great at. Right. We got Azure. We got Office. We should go build delightful experiences across all three of those elements uh, for our customers. Well, and I think it's, it's funny because as you guys have, have taken that mindset and headed that direction, uh, you know, now we're seeing uh, other companies out there Salesforce is one recently launched a product called flow you remember yeah. that <laughs> yes. uh, you know yep. we're, we're, we're starting to see we, we stopped chasing and now you know we focused on our own knitting and what we could do what we could do best and uh, you know it's funny kind of funny to stick your head up and now you find yourself being chased yeah so that's a that's a good feeling yeah and I, I'll say I'll say what they like Saki has a saying which is uh, envy is not a strategy <laughs> Right. Yeah, so, right. So and I think that that's definitely how we live and operate at Microsoft these days is MV is not our strategy. Right. Figure out where customers want to go and let's let's go help them get there using the mix of tools that Microsoft uniquely has. I'm definitely feeling it. Well, I, I don't want to let you get off the phone without talking a little bit about ISV and ISV strategies. You know, that's that's pretty near and dear to to my heart and, and what we're trying to do. And uh, I know that I've heard more noise from Microsoft about ISV um, recently than I've ever heard before. Um, I still hear lots of partners talking about wanting to get into that space, but um, you know, I tell you, project services is like a drug. Um, you know, it pays good <laughs> yeah. money, uh, but but you know, but but just like a drug, it's really a treadmill, and 
I, I, every every time I go to some event, I'll have a lot of partners coming up to me saying, "Oh man, yeah, we're gonna get on, we're gonna build some IP, and we're gonna," and they never do it. Um, some do, but most don't. They just they keep going after that drug money. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the things that you think are the big motions, the big mountains that you guys are pushing for ISV enablement? So I think definitely the you're hearing more about ISVs intentionally and deliberately. We, we view ISVs as an absolutely core part of what we want to go achieve with Dynamics and a power platform. Um, and we really, I think there are three types of ISVs you want to go after. Uh, the first is, is the add-on, the add-on type of ISV. Somebody that just wants to go drop on additional capabilities or extensibility around our existing apps. Um, like a good example is if like you want to go have CPQ with your Dynamics customer engagement, we have a bunch of different ISVs we integrate with as add-ons to so go do that. Um, if you want to have add-ons to the first party. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, yeah. if I want to, you take Aptis, you take Dynamics for customer engagement, you put it together on one uh, CDS instance, you have something pretty good. So, and I, you know, up until recently, frankly, that was the ISV opportunity with Microsoft was build an extension to one of our existing first party solutions. Yeah. Because uh, first party wasn't even a term. It was just, this yep. is what we have. Yeah, that's right. Until, until the platform launched. Now, that's really opened a, an enormous door that I don't know that a lot of ISVs are understanding or appreciating or grasping or even aware of the, yep. the, the, the enormous door you guys open for ISVs. Yeah, yeah, and I'd say that's the second of the three, which is the standalone app. And what we mean by that is come take your biz app, come take just whatever app you want, build it on top of the platform, on top of Power Apps and the Common Data Service, and deliver that to your customers together with Microsoft. And that's a new and emerging and super strategically important offering from us, because uh, that allows us to reach all kinds of different, different customers and departments and workloads that we don't offer as a first-party Dynamics application. Um, and this is a space that I'm personally very excited about, because I think uh, we're going to get to a future point where most biz apps that people create as a startup uh, and as you get growing, they won't go build on Azure or AWS. They'll build on something like Power Apps and the Common Data Service because there's better delivery, better data integration, and you can really focus on just the business processes that make your app unique as opposed to building infrastructure. Um, and, and, we, and that's, I think, where we're seeing a lot of early adopters and we're kind of getting our ducks in a row to go make that a, a broad commercial effort for Microsoft. Um, but we're super committed from a technology and commercial point of view. It's kind of like you're creating a new space between, oh, I guess, PaaS and SaaS. Yep. Yeah, and exactly we look right. at, it's, a, it's a new little hybrid space there where it's not pure PaaS. You know, there's, there's, there's stuff there, but it's not necessarily a full SaaS completed app. Uh, maybe you guys can come up with an extra long uh, 15 word term for that uh, <laughs> yeah. that we can that we can name it yeah. uh, so any any uh, ISVs come to mind that are working in that second uh, motion that uh, that happen to be talking to you on the phone right now you're tossing me a softball no but yeah so <laughs> like I mean what you guys are doing is a great example of that um, like you're coming and actually delivering that small to mid-market offering of, around a tailored CRM like experience um, with uh, rapid start, right? I, I want to make sure. Oh, again. Sh oh shucks! I, I, I'm, so, I'm yeah. surprised you thought you remembered, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So, uh, and I think that's a good example of how it's a space where Microsoft isn't super focused, but there is a really big need, 
Um, and you can actually go take our platform to go build an application on top of it and go service that need. Um, and you get all kinds of great technology benefits and, and over time, all kinds of great commercial benefits as well. You know, we've been, we've been working on that ISV solution for, you know, many years and the, the previous iterations, which ran on top of the first party app, we, we got support from Microsoft, but it was mostly around the sales teams. Um, and you know, the figuring out how to build all this stuff and make it all work was, was pretty much all on us. And when we flipped this thing over to run basically under the first party app, so the CDS team had connected with you and you connected us with several other folks in the organization. Um, you know, I can, I can tell any ISV who's considering it that, uh, you, know, you, you guys have been tremendously helpful in navigating the landscape, uh, you know, pointing out the potholes. Um, and I don't, I don't think we'd be nearly as far down the path as we are today. Um, with with the old Microsoft, you know, with the previous regime. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, I think, a, a worldview change as well as some basic principles and and it's, it's like guiding viewpoints in terms of what we want to do with with our partner ecosystem, ISV ecosystem versus the first party apps themselves. Um, but I think it's a great place to be, and it's definitely an equation that that's looking really promising for both Microsoft and ISVs we work with. You know, I've also I've also found the team has been much more open to suggestion, even to the point of completely changing, uh, you know, things, which is another welcome change. Um, I can remember being asked many times my opinion about something that was already decided, uh, and, and it, it almost felt like, why are you even bothering to ask? But but I've gotten in in lots of the pilots with you guys, and gotten into lots of deep discussions, and and actually have seen significant changes in in licensing models or other other constructs are being discussed it seems like a much more amenable microsoft than than there was in the past it's like you got you guys are open to you know better ideas any ideas good ideas bring them on uh you know watching the 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 mvp uh, mail list um it's just it's just been kind of amazing for me to see uh to see how responsive you guys are to things that people are asking for Yep, I mean, I think uh, sometimes we forget about that in Redmond, but we build products for customers. It turns out customers usually know what their pain points are. <laughs> and same yep. for partners, right? So, um, yeah, definitely customer first mentality is how, I mean, we go to our ideas forum, we go to our community forums to, to actually influence our roadmap long term. That definitely is how we actually uh, orient our, our strategy as well as what we're actually going and building, even sprint by sprint. And I think uh, I still have a few scars from a few of uh, those proposed features that we sent out to the MVPs. <laughs> I think I got my yeah. We, we, we definitely don't keep so. our opinions. <laughs> we don't save our opinions. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But but I mean that that's how we actually go make a better product, and that that's why the community exists to, to shape the direction. Right? It can't just be lip service. So uh, we've got a new uh, update rolling out. Already started, I guess. Uh, uh, and, and pushing through as we're speaking right now, right? Uh, coming to kind of come sw swirling around the globe. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, basically we're, we're getting pulled <laughs> in every direction to go and kind of sp spread the good word about uh, what, we're, what we're doing here. Um, and I think that's across all the Microsoft conferences and third-party conferences as well. Well, I know that we've heard a lot about what's coming. We've all, you know, at least the MVPs, have all, you know, read through all of the the feature lists, and, and certainly on the, the download lists and other places, have asked you guys to clarify. And so we're 
we're, we're really pretty excited about what's coming. I think that, you know, we, we need to get customers to be thinking about unified interface because, you know, classic UI is, is days are numbered. We can see the end of the track for that one uh, somewhere down in the, in the not too distant future. And I think a lot of people were kind of holding off because, you know, we hadn't gotten uh, enough parity uh, to unified yet. Uh, but a lot of those gaps are being plugged with this with this particular upgrade that's being pushed through, right? Yeah, that's right. And I think for, for UCI, we're doing two really big areas of investment right now, which is closing those gaps with web client and also taking the opportunity to go smooth over a lot of the navigational elements, commanding, actions, things like that which caused a lot of usability strife for our customers today. Um, so I think it's not only a, a, a nicer looking, smoother looking UI, it's actually with a lot of user research and user testing to make sure that it's a, it's a more streamlined, smoother user experience as well. And the early telemetry is very promising. Like if we look at the net promoter score uh, for unified client for people who are using our sales module, the, the, it's over 30 points higher on unified client compared to web client, which 30 points is a big margin for net promoter score. Um, so we feel really good about the work that we're doing there. And just as we continue to close down those last uh, gaps from a future capability point of view, and we can start flipping customers over, we're really excited in terms of what it will do for, for end user satisfaction and user joy. Yeah, I think that the, the challenge, of course, with that will be the, the existing users. You know, new users won't know any different, and they'll love the UI. Uh, I know the very first time I looked at it, I thought, oh, this is terrible. I don't like this at all. And I, I spent almost no time on it all because it, it looked a lot different than what I was familiar with and what a lot of existing users are familiar with. But I, I don't, I don't want to say I forced myself, but I could kind of see the writing on the wall. So I spent some more time with the unified client. I'm, I'm a complete believer now. That is that is an infinitely better uh, interface. The whole app model is infinitely better than what we had before. And I think that uh, anybody who's sitting on the fence, uh, you really needs to not only for their, you know, for for a better UI, but because eventually they're going to have to anyway. They really need to be need to be focusing on that sooner rather than later. Yeah, no. So let me I, ask you one last question. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I say I got to get going. I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I've have had you here for almost forty minutes, so yeah. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. <laughs> uh, one last question: of all the things that that are out there um, that we're all looking at and that that you're working on and that you're and that you're excited about, what 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 would be one that would come top of mind that you feel like, man, partners are just not grasping how, how awesome this particular thing is that, that they're either giving it not enough attention or just aren't appreciating. You know, I love to find those hidden gems because there's so many things as partners we're seeing. Sometimes it's not obvious which ones are really going to be, you know, the, the things that we should focus on, but, but you know, you're on the inside, you're, you're putting this stuff out and you know that, man, if this thing catches fire, this is going to be huge. Yep. What would be something that comes to mind that we should really be looking at? So I, I'm, I'm biased. This is near and dear to me, but I, I'm, I'm really going to go with power apps. And I mean, power apps as an app platform for IT departments, even beyond ISVs. And what, what we're seeing today with the momentum in the market is just unbelievable. I mean, incredibly fast organic growth. Um, just and from both the office community as well as the dynamics community um, to really almost an explosive degree. We're, we're getting, uh, I think we're doubling it in, I think, every four months or so right now, the total number of active users 
on power apps, standalone power apps built by IT departments and things like that. And uh, talking to other people at Microsoft that have been around for a while, they say it reminds them of SharePoint, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, right when it hit that inflection point where it went from small to huge. Um, and now's the time to kind of go to go get involved in that. There, I mean, I, I have customers that are begging me to help them find a qualified partner to help build power apps. And, and I'm struggling um, to go find people who have capacity. Um, so I think there's yeah, just a lot of opportunity out there in that space right now. You know, partners were very slow to make the move to the cloud. Uh, they're very slow to make any move. It's it's a it's like your your best asset and your worst enemy sometimes because <laughs> yeah. you know, they're they're very difficult to 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 get to move. They'll there'll be a, a percentage of them that will run out there like we do, and a, a bunch of other guys I know that'll be that are sitting out there intentionally riding the bleeding edge. But by and large, they're they're sitting there. And, and, and it takes a while to get them to move. And, and frankly, this is probably going to be the best option because now customers can start moving without them. And nothing will get a partner moving like his customers starting to do some work. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's are, exactly is, that, right. is that growth on Power Apps? Are you seeing that kind of evenly distributed across Canvas and model driven? Or is it really mostly a Canvas thing that's really blowing up? I, I would say uh, from a like, lower end app where it's like not mission critical, but important to business process, we see more growth in Canvas apps. But for the mission critical enterprise apps, those skew towards model driven. Um, and that just reflects, I think, some of the history for each of those app types. Um, yeah. And you're saying both of those are blowing up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. And I think, and I would say for people that uh, have dynamics experience, you can, with a slight pivot, actually expand your total addressable market by quite a bit. Because um, all those people, all those people who want to go do customizations or business process around SharePoint, they actually are looking for Power Apps devs now. Because um, Power yep, Apps yep. is that customization story for SharePoint. And same thing for Teams. Um, everywhere Microsoft's going in the productivity space, we're just we're so far and away the number one. Um, it's actually all Power Apps, and the skills that you already have from Dynamics or from XRM actually carry over, carry over pretty nicely and cleanly. Well, I can, I can attest to that because we've made that transition ourselves uh, from Dynamics, from you know a pure Dynamics uh, CRM partner over to, I'd say we're primarily a Power Apps focused partner now. And I can definitely uh, tell anybody out there who's concerned or thinking about it that your, your skill set is you know immediately transferable. Um, yeah, I mean, you can you can get to work on that right away. No reason not to. And yep. it is the future. Yep. Amen. <laughs> so, Charles, I appreciate you, uh, you know, being a good sport about taking my call and, and give me this time. Yeah. Next time I might not answer. <laughs> well, yeah, not, yeah, you'll see me I'm pop up. You'll see yeah. me pop up on this on the caller ID and you'll know what's up. Yeah. Uh, what's the next event people are going to see you at? Um, let's see. I don't know. I'm definitely doing some coming up. Let me think. Um, we have the Gov Summit. I'll look. The, my trusted calendar can tell me. Otherwise, we might be wrapping over to next year. We got the, we just announced a new BizApp Summit next year. Yep. Um, so that definitely is going to be there. That's going to be a, in it, a great show. Um, in, in Atlanta this time, right? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, I'll be at the PAC. So my next event is the PAC because I'm missing. The okay. UG. So some of us will see you. Yep. Yeah, some of yeah, us so, will see you at the PAC. Yeah, the Partner Advisory yeah. Council. So I'll be there about a month from now. So. Sounds good. Well, I will see you uh, then, because awesome. I think uh, you're, you, I think you told me earlier that you're not going to the summit this year, right? No, I'm not, unfortunately. All right. Well, I'll see you at PAC here shortly, and thanks a lot for uh, for the time, man. Uh, go eat some dinner. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks.